Romans chapter 5. We start in 1 and count through 4 and then you get to 5. And so here we are. And God's God's made clear to us from 118 that we need his righteousness. Regardless if you've tried to appoint yourself the because you have an understanding of right and wrong and you've appointed yourself as judge and that means you can judge others and excuse yourself, that's not going to work. If you think the the divine and religious privilege that God has given you as he gave the Jewish nation, now if you call yourself a Jew and you're just going to brag about that and what God's given you, and you're never going to take it to heart. He said a man is not a Jew if he is only one outwardly. Well, the application is for us. You're not a Christian if you're just one outwardly. God intends us to take this to heart. God is interested in your heart. Your heart being saved, your heart and your spirit being transformed, our lives being transformed. God's not interested in us us doing something that keeps him at arm length. God is interested in us taking to heart every single thing he has done, everything he has promised. He's interested in us standing on that, holding to that, believing that, and going forward in that. Not someone else, that right there. He's interested in redeeming us from an empty way of life that just leaves us with us. And the first three chapters here till the tail end of chapter three, but from 118 to 320, he has made clear unrighteousness doesn't get you fellowship with God. Unrighteousness will be judged by God and God is the only judge. And in your unrighteousness, there is absolutely no escape of God's judgment. Take glory in your religious privilege if you want to. The Jews did, and he said God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because you wouldn't take circumcision as being of the heart. Because you wouldn't take my commandments as appealing to your heart. Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't take, you took what I gave you, the instruction I gave you, and you used it to promote yourself and brag on yourself. You took the inherent in, in, God-given sense of morality that I gave you and you just used it to condemn other people and try to exalt yourself. You gave the nature that I placed within you, this God-shaped vacuum that's in the heart of all men. He said, I put that in men and then I made the creation around them and I made it plain to them and they chose to not give me thanks nor to glorify me as God. They chose to worship created things rather than the Creator. And all of that says unrighteousness, which we're capable of on our own, will not accomplish for us what God wants for us, what God is giving us. And all of that warns us, even as Christians, though he's not talking about Christians there from 118 to 320, but he's talking about the world and and what every person has on their own, He's giving us the very thing we needed the most, and that's his righteousness. And he has been acting out of what he did at the cross throughout all humanity. 
And as far as people being in covenant with God and being transformed by their relationship with God, being blessed by God, their lives being a blessing to the entire world around them and for history yet to come. And and as far as God's covenant related children like David being forgiven and being made right with God and being a leader and a protector and a promoter of God's people and God's purpose, all of that. All of that, the justice that is behind God doing that. Abraham, unrighteous on his own. David, unrighteous on his own. But God did all those things for them and with them and through them because God met his justice. He paid the price to do that. He paid the price to do that with you and with me. And the price he paid, brothers and sisters, was his own son. Brother Bill just read us where we are now. Very rarely, when when you see at just the right time, verse 6, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous man. You couldn't find one of them anyway. Though someone might possibly die. For a good man, nobody would die for somebody unrighteous. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were powerless, ungodly sinners, Christ died for us. That's the centerpiece of our worship this morning. Christ died for us. Of our own and on our own, we're not going to accomplish God's purpose. We're not. That's to humble us. God's not making fun of us. He's humbling us. He knows. He knows. You don't escape my judgment except on my terms. You don't. When the day of judgment comes, you got to have righteousness or you will be judged. And I mean condemned. There's no escaping that. God is offering us in Jesus the very thing we needed, righteousness. And he paid the price to do that. Here's a dynamic thought here, how that should impact our lives, I think. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with our unrighteousness on a regular basis? What are we going to do with what God's the knowledge he's given us about how he's treated people in the past. What are we going to do with him sacrificing his own son? Since we have now been justified, 5-9, since we have now been justified by his blood, the blood of Jesus that he gave, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? If right now in the blood of Jesus... God has given us his righteousness. If right now in the blood of Jesus, God has turned aside his wrath from us and and placed it on his son. If he has become for us a propitiation, a turning aside of, of God's wrath, an atonement for our sin. If right now we have peace with God in that. And that's just what he said in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace of God that the cross offers you comes to you by faith. If you don't believe the cross, if you don't trust the cross, if you don't, if, then you don't get the peace. You can yak about the cross all you want to and depend on yourself and you never get the peace. 
If we're lacking the peace, here it is. The peace is through his blood shed on the cross. For since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? That's the day of judgment saved. If he saved us right now, how much more shall we be saved on the day of judgment? The blood that saved us now saves us then. The blood that saved us when, when we made covenant with him is the blood that keeps us saved. We keep believing. We keep trusting. For if when we were God's enemies, verse 10, and we were too, that's what unrighteousness made us in regard to righteousness was enemies. For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, and we were, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? He is alive right now. You know what he's doing? Interceding for us. With what would you suppose? His own blood. He through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. He lives by the power of an indestructible life to intercede for us with that blood right now. Do you believe it or not? Is your life going forward with it or not? Are you trusting in it or not? You are too. If you're not, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? We know good and well we didn't we didn't accomplish we didn't satisfy God's wrath we didn't satisfy God's justice God did This is the good news what we can't do what we could never do he did It gives us peace right now If you can have peace what else do you want People are trying to become so healthy physically that they get what? Just a little tiny bit of peace. They're trying to become so wealthy financially that they have what? Just a few little moments of peace. Peace in this world about things in this world is a firecracker. You can watch it if you want to. That's how long it lasts. I'm talking about spiritual peace. I'm talking about peace with God. I'm talking about peace that's so much bigger than who we are. I want things to go well for Chuck on Friday. But there's something bigger going on than the report he gets to the doctor. And I'm just picking at him for the rest of us. What are you worried about? What are you frustrated over? What do you, I just have to have that. No, you don't have to have anything except peace with God. And He's afforded us that, brothers and sisters. If when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him, we're brought back to Him, we're brought out of our unrighteousness, and we're brought to Him in His righteousness. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, and it is too so, but we also rejoice in God. We rejoice in God. Do we? Do you rejoice in God, or are you just afraid of him? Where is it? Because on any given Tuesday, see, we can go there. And we can look at God through the perspective of our our sin that we 
just realized or just committed or whatever and our circumstances or we can come back to the book and get God's perspective because here's the truth Here's the truth for those who have placed their faith in Him. For those who are willing to place their faith in Him. For those who are willing to accept what He has offered them on His terms. We're rejoicing the hope of the glory of God. We're also rejoicing God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul is saying the thing that men have always needed, needed salvation from, needed to, needed help in overcoming, needed for someone to, to offer them because they did not have it on their own is righteousness. And here, brothers and sisters, very simply, he has said in very specific language that the cross of Jesus Christ is his satisfaction. That the cross of Jesus Christ is the just avenue that God himself has made so that he can give you his righteousness. That's what he gave us. Next time the devil talks you into something you need, remember what you have. Next time the devil talks you into focusing on something that, that you haven't done or something you failed to do or something you forgot to do or something you're incapable of, come back to here. And remember very clearly and very specifically what God has done. To take you from being his enemy to being his child. Brothers and sisters, that will change us. That will change us. In fact, you consider that very, very much at all. In any detail at all, in reality, and and I'm convinced that it wells up in us just what it did in Abraham. He gave Abraham stuff he never gave anybody. Abraham and Abraham said, "What do I do with everything you've given me? What do I do?" God said, "Come on, keep following me. Keep following." I've got a redemptive purpose, Abraham, and I paid the price to give it to you. God has a redemptive, I mean, according to, promoting, about, and standing on redemption, God has a redemptive purpose for you. The way you take hold of that. You trust what God said he did with his son on your behalf. The way you walk forward in that, the way you continue in that, the way you grow in that, the way that matures and blossoms and bears fruit in your life is when you keep a hold of it. And that means on a regular basis, if not ten times a day, you consider it again. I'm offering that to us this morning. The truth is, 
The cross of Jesus Christ is the basis of everything we need. Aren't you glad God paid the price? He did. The future you have with God. You're standing before God right now and you're standing before God on the day of judgment has a basis. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We don't know anybody else like you. Father, I'm humbled to try to explain what you said so clearly. And the truth is, if you could have said it more clearly and more plainly, you would have. You said it the way you said it on purpose. Whether we can hear it or understand it or not, Father, there is a message for us in your gospel. I know Jesus came, and I know he died, and I know he was buried, and I know he was raised again, but there is so much involved in that, Father. You met every single need of your justice toward sin in the cross of your Son. You met every single need of all humanity for all time in the cross of your Son. And for so long, the people in this world, Father, had no idea the reality that lay behind your blessing toward them, your forgiveness of them, your, your use of them, your empowering of them, your directing of their steps. They had no idea about the specifics behind us. And here we are right now, Father, with the detailed specifics behind it given to us. Jesus Christ, your son, came and he gave himself, Father, to accomplish your purpose in our lives. To take from us our unrighteousness and to bring to us, Father, very simply, who you are. To bring us to you, to bring us from unrighteousness into righteousness, to reconcile us back to you to do away with our unrighteousness to do away with our sin to do away with our failure to do away with our weakness and to bring us into a place father a place where we have peace a place where we have righteousness a place father where we are empowered not to serve ourselves and chase our lust a place where we are empowered for your purpose redemption a place, Father, where we are empowered to have the peace that you promise us. You've given it to us, Father. We just need help on a regular basis remembering it. And we need help initially, Father, believing it. And we need reminders all along the way to continue to believe what you've done, to continue to believe what you've said. I'm asking you, Father, for nothing more than to take what you said and to take what you've done and to work your purpose through that. 
have your activity through the cross in our behalf, your activity and your actions throughout all of humanity, and the truth of the word you've given us, Father. Take those two things and glorify yourself in our lives. Fasten our hearts and minds securely to you through the blood of your Son. And empower, Father, empower and inspire us to walk by faith just as Abraham did. To live in rejoicing of the forgiveness of our sin, just like David did. We thank you, Father, for loving us, for paying the price to love us. And we praise you, Father, for telling us the truth about it. Be with us this day, Father. Here here directly, Father, we're going to have lunch together and we're going to call it a fellowship dinner because in Jesus, fellowship is what we have. And in this world, dinner's what we need. Would you bless our time together? Would you bless our food that we share together? Would you bless this time and worship that we share and have shared together this morning? Bless our time in the study of your word. Bless this whole day, Father. We offer it to you. Please, God, bless it. Bless it according to your purpose. Bless it, Father, in any little way. And bless it in every single way that will bring you glory for the faithful and promise-keeping God that you are. We need you, Father. So desperately, we need you. And the truth is, you have given yourself for us. Help us to know that. And help it to change our lives for your glory. We thank you for hearing our prayer. We praise you for being a God who's answered it already according to your will. It's through him who bled and died for us and intercedes now, Father, on our behalf with that blood that we pray it now. Amen. I know what you're not waiting on is God to love you more than he does because he can't love you more than he does. He can't. With a nail in each hand and one through the feet. That's the demonstration of his love for you right now. The empty tomb, that, that is a demonstration of his power that's available for your heart, for your mind to have peace with him right now. If we can help you come to Lord Jesus Christ this morning or begin a conversation with you in considering that, you can let us know now while we stand and while we sing.